desk. So were the benchmarks we've been seeing leaked accurate? Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 439 being recorded on March 1st, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. Uh And uh, we're here to talk. I'm back. He's How back. How long has it been? Two weeks? It's been a while. It feels like it's been a very long time. People in the chat were surprised to find out that nobody had murdered me. One of you in the room would have been the first uh, suspect for it. Yep. Well, um, last week, I actually fell asleep during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did they get it on video? Did they, did they, uh, did they check it on I don't think you? so, but... Yeah. It's highly disappointing. We're going to have to start recording every camera shot we get now, just so if he does fall asleep, we can we have that. Yeah, we can. We can with locally. this new software. Yeah. So, you, you know, know, if it doesn't crap on itself again, it's fine. Um, so, uh, welcome, everybody, uh, to the show. Uh, it is episode 439. We do record the show live. Pro- we try at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live on Wednesdays. Um, if you need a, a reminder for that, you want to sign up for a little notifications list uh, of when we're going to do live streams, we're going to do events, you can go to pcpro.com slash subscribe. You get this page here. And uh, all it does is ask for your name and your email address, and uh, we'll send you notes about uh, the live streams we're going to do. And we'll probably do uh, a special one next week that will involve free hardware, probably. I don't know. I'm supposed to be in court or some crap. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but that's that's the goal, and you guys can probably guess what that what that will be about if you I don't know follow us. You've been paying attention to anything yeah. in the past week. Um, and another quick reminder: we do have a continuing Patreon campaign going at Patreon.com/slash/PCPer. This is your capability to uh, contribute to us and the writers and the site on a monthly recurring basis. Um, that could be anywhere from a dollar to two to five to ten to fifty to one hundred and fifty to five thousand dollars a month, whatever you really feel like we are worth. It's probably not five thousand dollars a month to be very fair. I mean, it might be. It's not. I don't think we're. I don't think any of us combined are worth. That's five thousand dollars a month. Probably. Be, but hey, if you're that guy, we won't say no. Um, so go to patreon.com slash pcpro. You can check that out. And we appreciate that. Anybody who signs up as a new patron while we're doing the live stream and or increases it by, you know, a dollar or more or whatever it is, uh, we will give a shout out on the show as well. Um, so before we get into our first news story, I do want to give a caveat to everybody who is both watching live and people who are listening after the fact. Uh, today is March 1st as we record this when it is released uh, into the wild. It will be March 2nd after the Ryzen uh, embargo has released. Um, however, tonight on the live stream, we cannot talk about my performance testing and, and uh, all that about uh, Ryzen processors. We can talk about the news and the leaks and stuff that have come out, which we will do on the show. Uh, but for people watching live, at the end of it, you'll just see us cut out and we won't talk to you anymore. We'll be gone forever. Uh, and we'll talk about Ryzen and record locally, uh, but not on a live stream. <laughs> if you are watching after the fact, we will talk about it and you'll never know, except that I'm bringing it up right now. But just know that our Ryzen processor discussion is going to be at the end of the podcast uh, because of the the weird kind of overlap between our recording time and our, our re-release time. This does mean everybody who watches live and, and thinks they get all the information they don't have to check back the next day was going to have to go to pcpro.com slash podcast to get uh, the full scoop uh, the next day. And it does feel, it sound like our office is going to blow over. So keep that in mind if you're watching the stream and you see things fly through the air and then it cuts out real quick. That's, it's just another tornado. It's fine. Yep. Just another one. 
We already had one. So let's go through um, the stuff that did happen that we can talk about over the last week, starting with, um, I think, probably the most interesting stuff is what NVIDIA announced yesterday at their event in uh, San Francisco right before GDC started. So they announced the GeForce GTX 1080 Ti. And despite what Tom Peterson and other people in NVIDIA would say when they say the 1080 Ti, that is not correct. I'm saying TI, mm-hmm. and I want a show of hands in the chat room of people who agree that it should – how, how do we do this vote? I'll say it should be is TI. It, is, it, yeah. is it T-I or is it T-I-E? How do you pronounce 1080 TI? It's fast, but it's no twin ion engine. <laughs> I say the two letters. Yeah, but some people in NVIDIA say TI hey, when, and some when people I, say When tie. I say, hey, hand me that titanium. The one saying TI, that would be TIE, and it's not TIE. I mean, they made the co- they made the product, so technically they can call it whatever the hell they want. It could be pronounced T also. It could. Yeah. Well, some idiot wants it to be GIF too. Like we care about yeah, that. the guy who made it, right? And even he's wrong. And it's so it's so difficult. <laughs> to tell. It, it's literally the same thing that we're talking about, right? Nvidia, you came up with the term, but no, you're saying it wrong. Like that yeah. type of thing. As long yeah. as we don't call it a Titan XP. Yeah. So Ti uh, seems to be uh, the, the chat's the chat's uh, reaction there. So. Um, let's talk about what this product is. It's not a huge surprise. Um, it's a GP102 part. Uh, it is 350, um, 350, 3,584 CUDA uh, which is the same as a Titan X Pascal, which I didn't realize until writing this, that that came out in August, last August. Mm-hmm. So it's been eight months, nine months yeah, it's been since a while. that product was released. Yeah. Um, and this is essentially the same base specifications with a couple of interesting um, twists. First of all, the clock speeds are higher. Uh, the boost is 1.6 gigahertz compared to 1.48. So that's actually going to give you a considerable uh, performance jump there. Uh, you know, your texture units are the same. But you'll notice, like, the ROP units, the memory capacity, and the memory interface uh, are all different. You're running at a 352-bit uh, uh, memory bus, mm-hmm. which I have never said those numbers, I don't think, in succession Yeah, before. that's so weird. Um, whereas the Titan X ran at 384. And uh, the reason for that is they basically disabled one of the 32-bit memory controllers. So instead of having 3084, you get 352. It also mm-hmm. explains the move from a 12-gigabyte memory pool to an 11-gigabyte memory pool uh, and also the ROP count difference as well. But one of the things that NVIDIA was able to do with this is they worked with Micron. Micron came out with slightly improved G5X memory chips, and now they're running at 11 gigahertz instead of 10 gigahertz. So you get a 10% boost in frequency, mm-hmm. right? And the net result is, even though you have a smaller memory bus, uh, the frequency is higher, and you actually net positive four gigabytes per second of total memory bandwidth, which is pretty good. And they're able to get the part down to 220-watt TDP as opposed to 250, which is interesting compared to Titan X, just through better binning of the chip, right? They're just a little bit better at kind of uh, taking all that stuff into consideration. Um, The net result of this is that we expect the 1080 Ti will be slightly faster in games than the Titan X, mm-hmm. um, which li- launched at $1,200, by the way. The Titan X launched at 1200 bucks. The launch price of the 1080 Ti is going to be $699. That's pretty good. We were uh, The editors that were at the event, they gave us all the information up front. Um, Except for the price. Right? But they don't give us the price yeah. until Jensen walks up on stage and says, here's the price. So, and of course, you know, everybody was like debating, like, how do you write the story? How do you write you know, your thoughts on it if you don't know the price? Just put the price in question marks. <laughs> I had mine was dollar sign XXX yeah. uh, in the in the thing until until we figured it out. 
And my guess was going to be my guess was seven ninety nine for the price, and several other people had guessed eight ninety nine because they were going at the ten eighty price and the Titan X price and just splitting the difference. Sure, right. Um, but they they did better than that, right? Like they six ninety nine is an impressive starting point for this. Uh, also worth noting, there's the G five X kind of improvements that they saw. Um, it's a improved cooler on the 1080 Ti, twice as much uh, area on the uh, vapor chamber, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, and they're they're claiming, you know, compared to the previous cooler, you can either your 5C less and or 2.5 dB quieter, you know, at the same performance yeah. levels, you, you know, depending it, on it what It looks like it was is. running pretty cool for a stock cooler on their demo, but we I didn't see I, how, fan, how fast the fan was going. So yeah, the... My guess is they just put it at 100% or something like that. Maybe not 100, but high, right? Because the system, you couldn't hear it. Uh, Overall, they're expecting it. NVIDIA is claiming this is about 35% faster than the GTX 1080, which is the biggest jump from uh, an X80 card to an X80 Ti card. Yeah. The previous one was, I think, 22% by their estimates, and that was the um, uh, 980 to 980 Ti, I believe it was. So the 1080s... Are supposed to get a price cut. Yeah, that right? was the other thing they announced. It was kind of surprising. Um, but the point I was getting at was oh. like the percent gain you're getting compared to what the 1080 just used to cost yeah. looks, looks pretty good as well, right? You're, yeah. getting, you're getting a better gain for your money. Yeah, the, than, the, you know. the 1080 up until, I mean, it's still kind of today, is about 550 bucks. Yeah. Uh, if you look on Amazon, I don't know when the new prices will go into effect. Um, the new well, price wasn't today. Wasn't today. Um, the. So two things they did with the 1080, they they announced price cuts when, where I put it at. So it's 100 bucks less. It's 499 is the MSRP yep. on the GTX 1080 now. And was there another price cut? No, I think that, that was, was the only price. What's that? The, the 1060 is supposed to get a bit of a price cut too. They didn't say anything about the 1070. One has to assume. I don't think yeah. they specifically said it though. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, would, I would assume everything sees it like – yeah, the yeah. ten, you know, ten seventy probably goes down fifty bucks. Ten sixty goes down a little bit, but they also announced this where they're going to bring that faster G five X memory over to the other parts. So you'll be able to buy a GTX ten eighty with eleven gigabits per second, eleven eleven gigahertz memory, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to ten. And on the ten sixty, you'll be able to get it at nine gigabits per second instead of eight gigabits per second. So they're just kind of offering another skew there. They're going to run. Um, like simultaneously, which I think is a little weird. I mean, does a memory bandwidth change alone give you that much of? I mean, a- it's going to be something. Okay. It's and it's going to be you know workload dependent, sure. right? Like it's some yeah. some games will see will see better use of that. Um, so the, I mean, the back to the 1080 Ti, it's interesting. First of all, I like this picture because if you look, there's a scan line here in the middle or right across <laughs> the top underneath the SLI bridge where there was a somebody took a picture with a flash at the same time my phone was like scanning out. Wow. The thing and it kind of caught it right in the middle. It's interesting to see. Uh, not not relevant to the topic at hand. No DVI port is is worth noting here, right? Normally on the 1080 and 1070, there's a DVI port kind of right here, and it blocks half of the ventilation yeah. area. For this, they removed it. I assume not because they decided DVI is dead, but instead, hey, we get better cooling if yeah. we remove that blockage. I mean, at this there. point. Anybody that needs single link DVI, you can just convert. And if you really, really need dual link, then just get the active adapter. You're you're paying 100 bucks for an active adapter, but you know. Like for me, for some of our capture stuff, DVI is important, but yeah. yeah. I I still have a dual link DVI panel at my house, but I probably wouldn't, you know, yeah. AMD has done this for 
like the Fury didn't have DVI, and I know the Polaris mm. doesn't have DVI on it. Yeah, um, I mean it's so probably, it's, it's probably time. It's yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, especially for the seven hundred dollar video card. Yeah, right. Uh, an eight pin and a six pin. So six ninety nine. It's going to be available next week, is what they said. But uh, I, I, it's either the ninth or the tenth that it will go on sale. Um, so we'll we'll be able to have like benchmarks, and I think one's on its way. It'll be here tomorrow, so we'll be able to do, have a review ready for all that. Any uh, any bets on the market price of this almost immediately going higher than? Uh... I don't know. So one of the other things that they talked about that I forgot to put in the story is that so they're gonna there's gonna be founders editions mm-hmm. and there's gonna be. Uh, virtual boards, which is, you know, EVGA makes their own cards. Asus makes their own cards. Sure. But the Founders Edition is starting at the same price. Oh, they're not charging they're not a charging extra. premium? No, they're not doing any premiums hmm. for Founders, huh. which is both good. People were asking for that. They, yeah. they hated that thing. But I think as an AIC, they're probably a little pissed because now... They're undercutting. Well, they're, they're not undercutting, undercutting but they're... Now, partners, can, partners will still sell the Founders Edition as the reference card, right? I sure. think... I think what what actually happened is now it's just a reference card again, and people yeah. understand that. And you know, Nvidia used the term Founders Edition, but we don't really need to get into it, right? Um, I think it was a one shot thing. You're not going to get away with charging the premium twice. Yeah, yeah I think they got a lot with it. They got a lot of negative feedback. For I still it. think, despite yeah. whatever cool, whatever advances to that core they might have made, it's probably still the better way to go, just to get like the you know whatever the better cores are with from the other companies. What do you mean no, there will be. be. No, there's going to yeah. be virtual cards. So, like, EVGA will have their own cooler on yeah. it, and, and Asus will do their own. Yeah, they, they definitely will. Um, I, I'm, I don't know how, mu- how many there will be of that because... Right. The supply will be limited for those. It, well, I, mean, I just don't know. I mean, it's a $700 video card, right? So how many people yeah. are actually going to buy it? There's going to be an initial surge, of course. Um, I, I'm, all, I'm continually surprised by how many people buy the high-end products. Um, and there's, there's a certain cachet of just saying, well, I have the... Uh, my six ninety nine card is faster than your twelve hundred dollar card. Ha ha ha! And you know, yeah, all that type of stuff. But, but I mean, between the performance and the supposed overclockability, even with the ten eighty's price cut, yeah. it still looks like a decent deal at that price. Over, like it's close on the percent per yeah. you know performance. That yeah, that like the money perform the dollar perform perform. Yeah, I can't Josh, even talk. Josh, do you think? <laughs> do you think this this is a pretty? It's a fairly aggressive move from Nvidia. Um, it is. Do you think they are concerned about the the excitement that has been building up around Vega, or do you think they just you know whatever they're doing their own thing? They always say they're not concerned; they don't care about the competitor, um, but that's obviously not true. Well, I think it's it's a little bit more complex than that. Um, yeah, they're looking at AMD and they're looking to kind of take the wind out of their sails, especially especially if. Uh, Vega does not perform as fast as the 1080 Ti, then AMD is forced to provide that at a lower price than perhaps they were willing to when they only had a 1080 and the Titan X. Titan XP? It was just Titan X, but that people Titan called X. it Titan XP, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, if they could have got away, if they knew they, if they knew they could get away with spending or charging more, then they probably would. I mean, that's... Generally, that's their mo, right? They're right. not a they're not a charitable well, and that, organization. Well, and that's the second yeah. part of what I was about to say. Go for it. Is that it's been what nine, ten months since the Titan X? Yep, has been released nine months or so. Yeah, and they've been producing uh, sixteen nanometer chips since probably a little bit more than a year ago when mm-hmm. they first started production on the GTX ten series, and we've had those out since what late May. 
that's when they released yep. the 1080 and yep. 1070. Uh, they're probably at the point where TSMC is getting much better yields. NVIDIA has probably done little tweaks throughout to get far better yields. Uh, they, they've probably hit certain milestones and benchmarks that the cost per die is going to be decreasing. And it's probably also in there that, hey, we can sell more cards, but still make pretty good margins because all these other factors have come out, you know, being a year under production, that the 16 nanometer process is not nearly as risky. We're not putting as much money in there. And, you know, hey, let's let's say the bean, tell the bean, bean counters that, you know, we can get this amount of yield, uh, pay this amount of money per die. And looking at the uh, looking at the, at the marketplace, uh, they're hitting kind of a soft spot because there's there's nothing there. Yeah, if you think about it. Yeah. And we can look past it like the 780 Ti, which was released right around that same price point. And they could probably look at those sales and say, hey, you know, we could we could still make some pretty good money. Not only that, but we could have the performance crown. And, uh, you know, if Vega comes out and it's pretty good, but not as good as this, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of free. Uh, yeah, a lot of free marketing. I would be surprised if the, the high end Vega part beats the 1080 Ti. I'd be I'd be happy. I'd be ecstatic for it if it were a surprise uh, victory like that. Uh, but. Uh, it's probably likely that they saw, you know, the, the, they know the same people in Taiwan that, that AMD knows that, hey, you know, this is probably close to 1080, uh, and they wanted to have a part out there. Uh, and it might have been a little bit where they thought AMD was going to maybe announce more stuff at their GDC event than actually occurred, um, and so they were trying to preempt some of that, uh, even though it seemed to be uh, mostly unnecessary, I guess. So that was a uh, GTX 1080 price drop as well. The other thing that they talked about um, is... Uh, FCAT VR. They talked about a whole bunch of stuff. DX12, uh, GameWorks, and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, but the only other thing that I wrote up a piece on was FCAT VR, um, which is, as the name implies, an update to the frame capture analysis tools, the performance uh, evaluation capability for VR. Um, and the we're going to have a much more in-depth discussion about this at some point, so I'm not going to dive into it too much. Um, but the the, com- the complexity of benchmarking VR, we have talked about many, many times here on the podcast, at PC Per, whatever, right? And it's we talk about why Fraps doesn't really work, why OCAT doesn't really work, why um, you know capturing screen regions doesn't really work. And, and what FCAT VR does is actually uh, it's a really neat tool that uses Oculus and uh, Steam VR event timers to... You know, you can both do a hardware version of this overlay. You can do a software version of this. You can do performance capture in both ways. Uh, obviously, software is going to be extremely easy comparatively. You don't have to have separate systems, external hardware, all this other software and scripts uh, that are working. Um, and the, the the net result is a better understanding of VR performance, how to measure it, how to compare it between systems, uh, and... All of it is going to be, you know, some of some of the first comments, of course, because it's an NVIDIA built tool. Oh, of course, you know, NVIDIA built a tool. It's going to make their products look better. Um, but everything they're going to do is open source. Yeah. Right. So people are going to be able to look through it, comb through it. You know, it's written. Some of the analyzation software is built in. It's built in Python. Um, so if you hate yourself, you can go through that. 
Uh, not only that, but where it's pulling it from now <laughs> is it's pulling it from the VR. What, what's the name of that? The technical term for that? What's that? The the virtual the virtual reality environment. Oh yeah, like, like uh, the the API. Okay, yeah, like so, the the runtime. Yeah, so it's pulling information from the runtime, be it for Oculus or sure. for you know yeah. Steam VR. So right? it's it, all the data source from this is Oculus. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit from Windows Event Timer, yeah. and then some from their 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 API SDK based right. performance monitoring, and from Steam VR, it's from their performance heuristics that you can access through that as well. Yeah. Now there is some um, processing of that data that occurs to generate a giant CSV file of everything you want to know. Sure. Right. And so it's fair to go through those files and say, how are they generating something like an unconstrained FPS? How are they generating the the effective FPS? Right. Mm-hmm. And and kind of look at that. And I've uh, I've been using these tools for a couple of months in various stages, um, and the experiences match the results that you see in the graph. and And it's really interesting to look at. It's it's really hard to explain. They wouldn't let me use any of my own data for this, so this is not an ideal graph of what I want to show. Um, but you you know what you're looking at here is it's kind of hard to see. The dark green graph is the quote software capture. It's where everything happens on the local system, yeah. and you're measuring non VSync limited uh, frame times. You're talking like the bottom section? No, no. I'm talking about in this top half. There's two lines. There's a dark green oh, okay. and a light green. You can't see it from where you're at. Gotcha. Uh, the bright green is the hardware capture, and you notice that's got the hard spikes up and down, yeah. right? And that is because uh, of VSync being forced on for virtual reality headsets, right? Okay. So you're yeah. just getting, you know, 22.2, 11.1, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? Um, the graph below it shows it, – it's really interesting. I'm trying to figure out how uh, – how, how did I describe this? Um, it is the – for an individual run, the scale on the left is 0 to 90. Okay. So it is 90 frames that your target is, uh, and each – data point each kind of you know as on the on the axis as you move left to right is time so over the last second how many of the 90 frames were real frames drop frames or synthesized frames and the more green you have the 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 higher the more it is real frames so in this result right here what you're seeing is you're actually running at uh you can't really it's it's totally hard to see on this 45 frames per second of real frames Mm -hmm. okay and then right here, you get a little bit of a, of a jump where it kind of goes back and forth between 90 and 45 a lot, right. um, averaging you somewhere in the middle. So, uh, so basically, that whatever you were running there was riding the line where it was just almost enough to be fluid like at 90. No, actually here, again, I, the data is, is not ideal because of how, it's actually riding at 45 right, consistently. Right. And but it's in other words, almost it was, jumping up to 90 yeah. in a couple yeah. So yeah, yeah, and you can and you can see that if you look at the if you look at the frame times here, like it dips down so the frame times are lower, meaning the rendering is happening mm-hmm. faster, and then it kind of comes right back up. So that, that doesn't mean that what you just to go back to like how this translates to what you actually see yeah. in the VR, right? It doesn't mean that uh, you moving your head around and panning around and whatnot suddenly goes to forty five frames per second. That part still goes ninety. Uh, unless you have warp misses, right? But yeah, it's a different it's a different discussion. Which, by the way, is something else that that catches. Correct. If it happens, correct. Right? You can see if there were yeah, warp yeah. misses or any other things that would make it like more of a jarring, yeah, uh, experience, right? So, I mean, the net result from this is this is this is a it's another just like frame rating was, just like the original FCAT release was. It's a very complex topic that is going to be. Um, it's going to need to be explained very well for people to understand the data. But the the good thing of it is. 
that you'll be able to have like VR benchmarks and GPU reviews that you didn't really have before. A lot of it was experiential. Right. Um, and even the performance heuristics you get from Steam VR are are good. They don't quite have the same amount of information you can get from this tool because yep. this tool does processing on those numbers. Um, but you didn't have any access to that on the Oculus side mm-hmm. yet. Right. And that's um, what we were doing in the past when we did VR testing for GPU releases. Yeah. That's we what were, we were doing. We were pulling from Steam VR. Yep. And that was the only data we could get. We basically took GPU render time, and that was our data point, yep. right? Yep. And, and that's a big portion of this. Like, that's the majority of what this is. But now you can detect it, and you can kind of present it in an interesting way. And, you know, I, I've been working with them to try to, you know, before this, here's what the GUI looks like, right? And before it looked like this, which is admittedly not amazing. Mm. Um, sure. It was text-based, and you've, anytime you wanted to adjust any parameters, you had to go into a CSV file, Ugh. adjust things manually, like go from point one to point two offset, save it, rerun the Python script, and it would generate a new image, right? Uh, and I was like, nobody's going to – nobody's – sorry, Tom. Nobody's going to do this, right? <laughs> uh, this, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to tell you that uh, you have to learn Python and, and GUIs, but like this is – nobody's going to do that. Yeah. Um, so, but now it works and it works really well. And uh, hopefully next week or the week after, we'll be able to tell you a little bit more about that and show some results and, and get into yep. and get into that kind of stuff. So, uh, it will. I think it will be after the 1080 Ti that we can actually show results. They're staggering that. A little I, I bit. think it's interesting that you'd be able to have potentially someone who's willing to tinker a lot could grab this themselves and you know. Get, well, with the get, soft, get results with right? the software version, you don't even have to be like a tinkerer, right? It, sure. The, the tool that you run looks like this. It just looks like a Fraps thing. Yeah, you just right? you just run a tool. It you run a capture. tool. It captures it, saves out a CSV file, yeah. and then you can actually just open up that CSV file in Excel and graph things. Yeah. But if you want to be able to use this tool to kind of like crop things and generate these specific graphs, right? That's just going to be another download. It's a Python script. You have to yeah. download. So you have to install something like Qt. What is it? Qt Graph and uh, and, and Anaconda. You know, like the Windows version of yeah. of Python devs uh, 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 development environments. Yeah, but the only thing that leaves works. the only thing that leaves for like the expert to have to do is really just you, what you're doing in the standpoint of confirming that when that tool says that their frame does this thing. Yeah, you have hardware capture, so you're looking and seeing going back and looking yeah. at that frame. And saying, okay, yeah, the frame actually did that. So the tool is actually reporting I'm, what's accurate. I, right? I've been using – I was – during all the development, I was using hardware and software. The hardware capture and the internal software capture, yep. I, was, I would use them on the exact same test and kind of validate the results. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, going forward, now that I believe that it is a truthful – The software is accurate. Yeah, that it is an accurate representation of the experience and what the hardware captures are saying, then yeah. I'm just going to use the software version because it's way easier. It is. And I don't have to have a secondary system catch. I don't use virtual dub and I don't have to use all that other crap, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be neat. And like I said, we'll talk about it more in the next week or two uh, as well. So, all right. Uh, uh, bef- and I might be asking this before yeah. you've actually had a chance to. Yeah. But how do you think this is – oh, am I ever dark again? How is this going to match up to uh, Future Mark and Opto Fidelity's hardware head? I don't that's know. It's now going to be measuring. So it's just something you're not sure yet? I, think I, I don't is, know. I think so, that's more focused just on the latency part of the equation. It is. It's very it's much focused it, on latency but, specifically. Um, yeah. And But they, because they write the game engine and they have the hardware, like they could do some of these similar things, yeah. but only with their own application. Okay, so it's going to be a lot less... Uh, of a, a Swiss Army knife, you're not going to be able to test everything. Yeah, yeah. My my oh, okay. my expectation is that it will show you interesting information through its own game engine and benchmark mode, 
Uh, but this tool, the FCAT VR tool, will show you, um, you know, hey, you can run any game, right? Oculus or Steam VR and get results and look at it that yeah. way, right? Which is, which is, you know, it's obviously what we all want, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what we want to, what we want to go through. So, um, all right, before we move on to the, the next things that we'll run through, uh, I do want to take a quick moment here and thank today's podcast sponsor. That's right. We have a podcast sponsor, guys. Sweet. I came back to the show. Sponsors wanted to sign up. I don't know what that says about you guys. Mm. I know what it well, says about us. Well, Hitachi keeps <laughs> approaching you, but you refuse. Yeah. Uh, so this episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Casper. That's right, the online retailer of premium mattresses at a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to the consumer. So the benefits of a Casper mattress uh, – this is one of the interesting ones. They say it's ex- obsessively engineered. Um, which, depending on your view of the word obsessive, is a positive or negative, but I think it's probably a positive. They're spending a lot of time developing this product. Uh, it's made of supportive memory foams for a sleep surface with just the right sink and right bounce. It's breathable, uh, so you sleep cool. helps regulate your temperature throughout the night. Um, as somebody who is was often a person that like flipped pillows over in the middle of the night, you know that's this that's a big benefit. It was much more difficult to flip the mattress. With the wife on the other <laughs> side, right? Like, you know, and especially like in the middle you of the night. Depends on how s- angry you are. Yeah. Waking the kids. This mattress up, is warm. You might get you might get slapped. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can buy it easily online. It's completely risk free. You can try sleeping on a Casper mattress, and Casper understands the importance of actually trying out the mattress first before committing to buying it. Uh, and as uh, the studies have shown, uh, you know, sitting on it. Laying on it at a showroom really tells you absolutely nothing uh, for the 12 seconds that you can stand being on it before awkwardly getting off and rolling away from the salesperson that is approaching you uh, very instant, uh, very quickly. Uh, Casper offers free delivery, painless returns with a 100-day period, uh, so you do not have to do that uh, weird lie down in a showroom dance. And um, it's 100 days. That's a long time. That's it is. three months, essentially, that you can sleep on their mattress and then decide if you want to keep it. If you don't want it, they will come take it back. They won't ask you to put it back in the box that you get it in, but they will come. They will come take it back. Uh, Cas- do, do do they bring a UV light? I you know what I don't ask. That's on them. You know, man. You know, I'll I've, have to check the return <laughs> policy. You know I've I've moved uh, I've moved a mattress like that across country. Yeah, and it's you get a big enough uh, contractor trash bag and a vacuum cleaner. You could pack. You can repack you can, it oh, yourself. I'm sure you could yeah. re-shrink it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes it very easy to move, actually. Like, yeah, I mean, when, so, when I got mine delivered, it was in a mini fridge size box yeah. that I weighed 112 pounds. It was very dense. Um, and you and I rolled it up the stairs, right, because I was by myself. Team lift is what it said on the box, but I, like, <laughs> I got this. So I rolled it up the stairs, and then you open it up, cut open the bag, and it kind of poofs. Yeah. Now make sure, you know, uh, what's the uh, Christmas vacation movie? Christmas, it's Christmas, it's, but National it, Lampoon. National Lampoon, the Christification movie, when he cuts this tree and all the oh, limbs go out. Like yeah. that. It's not quite that violent, uh, but it does. It does. Pity. You do need to be prepared for it. Uh, all the mattresses <laughs> are made in the U.S. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. You can save an additional $50 towards a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash PCPer and entering the promo code PCPer. That's casper.com slash PCPer, promo code PCPer. Terms and conditions apply. 
because they do. Uh, but we thank Casper for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. All right. Let's get into the rest of our stuff. We're going to go through it. Um, whatever. We're just going to get through it. Uh, Ken was in San Francisco this week as well. Went to GDC. Uh, and while I went to the NVIDIA event, he went to the AMD event. Mm-hmm. And you got to see uh, uh, Raja and Roy and who else was on stage that was from AMD? Anybody? I think those were the two guys who kind of run on the whole yeah. shindig here. Capsaicin. I'm still trying to get over Kyle being on stage. And Cream, which is not, it's just not the best naming scheme, but you know, whatever. Um, so they had, a, they didn't have as much to announce as Nvidia did, clearly, but uh, they they showed some interesting stuff here. Um, first of all, branding. Ken, would you like to tell us what the? You don't have a yeah, mic. needs a mic. Um, so the Radeon, the Vega chip that we've all been talking about for a long time, yes, right, very long, is time. now officially going to be called. The Radeon RX Vega. Okay. That 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 blew my hair back. <laughs> there was I will, <laughs> I will say um, because I was at the Nvidia event. Don't tell anybody Nvidia. I was I was watching the live stream on my laptop while I was at the Nvidia event with no audio. I just wanted to see what, if anything interesting happened. And um, apparently at the beginning, Raja said like, "Make sure you stay to the end. We've got our big announcement. Something, something, something." Sure. And uh, it was. That uh, uh, that it was Vega like that is named Vega. Zen video. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. he said, and everybody in the room is getting a Radeon RX Vega T-shirt. <laughs> and he did the pause like that, and then Ken got this T-shirt, Ken's which is Vega pretty cool, now. to be fair. And Ken, um, hmm, I can't help but notice, Ken, this is not my size. Uh-huh. It's almost like. You didn't get me one. Mm. Hmm. Mm. All right, fine. We'll take, um, it's been a long time since I've worn a medium T-shirt. <laughs> Not for gags. Um, <laughs> did they say anything else about Vegas specifically, Ken? That stood out um, in terms of they, they didn't announce they didn't announce new features. They demoed um, the high bandwidth cache controller at work. They demoed double packed math at work with his, which is FP sixteen. Um, you know, basically showing like, hey. The the hair simulation that we do in um, it's not hair works that's Nvidia's Tress Effects thank you uh, you know we can process uh, 1.2 million strands per second as opposed to 550 thousand per second in FP16 and the detail like there's not a, a markedly visible difference in quality uh, cool with that right so that that's a plus uh, they showed the the cache controller at work. With you know, kind of a contrived demo where they had a they built a car with two gigs of of memory HBM two memory on it, mm-hmm. and then they had one with HBM two gigs of HBM two memory on it, and the cache controller enabled that could access system memory, uh, and you got what was it fifty percent better on the average frame rate and a hundred percent improvement on the minimum frame rate in those instances. I I don't know how that's going to apply in the real world because two gig cards probably aren't going to be using HBM two for a while uh, on like the budget parts. So, you know, if if Vega comes out and it's 8 gig capacities, how much of a benefit will it be to current shipping games today? I don't I don't really know. But it was interesting to see them basically proof of concept, not really proof of concept, but like proof in application in a real workload that the cache controller can work completely seamless to the game. The game didn't have to be rewritten to, you know, take advantage of the tech or yep. anything like that. Uh, but they just showed like instant scaling capability 
uh, well, that's with the, it. That's the best kind of optimization you can do. Yeah. Otherwise, and you have to wait cool on. T-shirt. You don't want to rely on everybody else to. I'm gonna have to if I'm gonna have to email somebody. I need a T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't wear them. Really, necessarily. You really, want, you really want that T-shirt that you're not gonna wear all the time. I, the same thing. Like I wear it. Fuchsia or actual red? No, it's red. It's. Is it, it's, 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 it's it's okay. Pinkish. It is pinkish. He says, "Yeah, hmm. and it's a It's just the way the printer did it. Yeah, it's supposed to be like straight red, fusion red, right, yeah. right." Um, so that that was what that was what AMD showed at their uh, capsaicin event. They a couple of other little things, uh, but also Josh, you wrote like me. So okay, Josh, I have to warn you. We're not going to walk through your editorial uh, part by part. On this, we just no. don't have the time for it. Editorial, it's a dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh wrote an article, Zen and the Art of CPU Design, which is very cleverly titled, um, that is more sum- su- summarized as a history of AMD's kind of like x86 CPU designs, right? Yeah, well, what I wanted to do was kind of compare and contrast each of the major architectural releases that AMD has had over the past 20 years and take a look at what Intel had to offer at that time. Okay. Uh, we we kind of looked and saw if, if AMD gained any market share, how competitive they were, uh, just what the conditions of, of, of the marketplace were versus how the AMD part compared to Intel. So we went over the K6, K7, Athlon 64, Phenom, Phenom 2, Bulldozer, Shara and and you know and and now Zen and so you know it, it again it's it's a lengthy article and yes. uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff and a little bit of history then then give it a read over but it kind of gives you a sense of where AMD has been in the past how their products have panned out in certain market conditions how Intel has reacted at mm-hmm. that point. And it kind of tells us where Zen's at. And and seriously, I mean, AMD has has been roaming the desert for about the last ten years, and they finally got what looks to be a very competitive part. And Intel has been somewhat caught flat-footed in that over the past five to uh, six years, they have not been aggressively advancing x86 technology. I'm not saying that they haven't advanced at all because obviously have they've been the first to uh, 22 nanometer nodes 14 nanometer nodes they've improved their 14 nanometer process so it's 14 mm-hmm. nanometer plus uh, we've we've seen some definite improvements from generation to generation probably what is more impressive to me is is their chipsets and the new technologies they brought in but AMD's finally got a part that is truly competitive on on kind of the realm of the K6 and the K7 parts doesn't look to be as overwhelming to Intel as the Athlon 64 was originally when it was going against the Pentium 4. That's not the total number of pins that was on that AMD chip, is it? Around the outer perimeter there? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Josh, does this picture confirm that AMD is working with Intel on a new... (laughs) (laughs) Confirmed. I mean, <laughs> remember that was a 16-bit bus. Yeah, the 286. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm thinking that yeah. might actually be the total number of pins needed around it the monitor. I like guy. it when I liked it when processors had the logo for Windows directly silk screened on it. Windows 95. I baby. installed many of these processors in my day. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting article, um, that if you have any kind of nostalgia for that type of stuff, or if you're new to it and you just don't know anything about it, it's, it's, it's worth looking back. And I think we still plan on, um, doing like a Skype interview with somebody like we did with David Cantor to talk about, uh, the Zen architecture about kind of the history of AMD and, mm-hmm. and Josh's editorial and how it works. And yeah, I installed a ton of these processors. I think Josh, this one, the K6 two was the more popular of, uh, of that line, right? The K6 was good, but the K6 two kind of really took off. Yeah. And the, the K6 three didn't yeah. sell as well. It was a lot more expensive and it was, it was at the end, uh, of the K6 line, and, and it was competing against the later Pentium 2 and Pentium, and early Pentium 3s. But yeah, the K6 II was so common, and it went from, what, 266 megahertz up to, gosh, I think like 533 megahertz at one point. Yeah. It's really cool stuff. You can go back uh, and see the slot A, Athlon. This That processor is what started me into the world of PC hardware reviewing. It was really that slocket. Yeah, it was that <laughs> oh. processor and the Asus K7M motherboard. Those were the things yeah, that, true. like, back in the day when it. people started we, websites around one particular product. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the K7M. Like, like what, was the name of that? what was the name of that site, Ryan? K7M.com. That's yeah. that was the first name. Right? That was the first name. Was K7M.com. I think if you go there, go. I think I still have it redirecting to PCPro.com. <laughs> I think, uh, or apparently it goes to nothing. I don't know. Oh. I still own them all. I know because I get notifications of renewal prices. He's, he's still, he's still paying that bill. I still pay that bill. Oh, it was yeah. K7M.com and then AthlonMB.com. Yep. And then, and AM, then AMD, MDMB. MD. Yeah. Yeah. I have to check on that. None of those redirect anymore. That's sad. Oh. And then it became PC Perspective, which at first was PCPerspective.com. And then yep, after yeah. about the fiftieth time, I mistyped Perspective. <laughs> into the URL. I said, you know what? It's going to be PC per. Be like, I don't know. It sounds like a drug addict thing. I was like, I don't care. Like, it could be PC peer, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Well, uh, it was also Google calling us PC perspiration and perspectives. Perspectives. It perspectives took forever, was it took forever to get that Perspiration was in there. Com doesn't work. That's very sad. Um, let's see. Other AMD news. Uh, Jeremy, what about this? AMD, the rumor now is, I don't know if this is a rumor, it supports Crossfire on B350 and X370 chipsets, but SLI is limited to the X370, which kind of goes against information we had heard before, which that you had to have an X370 to do multi-GPU. They, did, they weren't um, platform-specific at any point. Well, and it, this is coming from uh, Computer Base uh, DE okay. out in uh, Germany. So it's probably right. They're, they're not ones that go crazy. Uh, but yeah, so essentially what they're saying is a lot of the B350s do have a pair of PCIe 3.0 16 by slots, and they are indeed going to support Crossfire, which, I mean, for AMD to implement isn't ridiculously hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's plenty of reasons to go with the B350 chips chipset, because from what we've been seeing from Gigabyte, uh, who are sort of the ones who have actually officially shown us what those motherboards are going to do you get a lot of the same uh features that you want you get your m.2 yeah. slot you get your usb 3.1 so tossing in the soi or tossing in the crossfire for people that might buy a mid-range gpu and then back it up with a second mid-range gpu mm-hmm. when their wallets refresh makes total sense yeah no i, I, I agree yeah uh, sli is of course going to come with a licensing fee yeah. So 
it makes sense to throw it on the motherboards, which, I mean, I was shocked when I saw some of the X370 prices. Some of those upper-end ones are north of $400, which yeah. is weird because I've never seen an AMD motherboard for over $100 in two and a half years. It's true. It's uh, That might be an exaggeration, but it's been... Yeah, a little bit. It's It's been a long time since we've had motherboards that warranted those prices on that platform. So, mm-hmm. yeah. good, Well, the 270 is because... This isn't confusing at all. The, you know, the 270 and the 370. Totally easily. The one's a Z and the other is an X. Yeah, yeah true. Word, dog. But threes are better than twos, so duh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duh. It's, that's, you know that's it. easy. That's easy. Um, all right, so that's all we'll talk about for uh, uh, Ryzen new stuff that we can talk about on the live stream, I guess. Um, a couple of other quick news items to get to. We'll mention these here. Oh, wait, no, we did have another. Um, <laughs> this one snuck in there. Overclockers uh, at the Ryzen Tech Day were able to push the Ryzen 7 1800X to 5.2 gigahertz using LN2 um, and break a Cinebench record of, uh, what did they get to? 2363 at 5.2 gigahertz. That's eight cores, 16 threads, all of them running at 5.2 gigahertz, which is pretty impressive. That is impressive. Um like we've seen, seventy seven hundred Ks probably hit five point two, uh, but that's four cores, eight threads. Yeah, from Intel. Uh, so it's pretty impressive, and obviously they were able to get a world record of Cinebench for whatever that is worth, right? Uh, obviously, LN two not for everyday guys. Not you don't want to run your workstation on LN two unless you I have don't. a guy full time standing there pouring liquid nitrogen <laughs> on your system. Which I mean, you know, people can do whatever they want. Um, you just keep you just keep pouring it in. Yeah. So apparently the previous <laughs> record was uh, the Core i7 6900K, also an eight core sixteen thread at five point two gigahertz, five point two two, so slightly ahead, uh, and scoring twenty one forty six. So this was a couple of hundred points uh, above that as well. So a good sign for for AMD. Although, well, more to be said tomorrow on that. All right. Now we'll get into no. What is <laughs> don't look at me sorry i was looking at the i was looking at the rundown um this was a rumor of what is this jeremy this is a ryzen 5 which has not been announced yet i don't think right no but it doesn't need to be because well, yeah rumors are rumors so the, yeah. the what's the rumor here that that it's going to be a six core processor uh, later is absolutely correct okay was that josh i heard no. Ah, okay. Uh, but no, we're not I'm, see these I'm, I'm busy clearing my throat and opening beers. Uh, it's a worthy, worthy effort. But we're not going to see these until the latter half of the year. Okay. Uh, maybe April-ish, but probably June and forwards. So you're going to see the, the trim down sixes with quite possibly, uh, I think they mentioned the Ryzen 3 at a quad core. Hmm. Uh what do you think? What do you guys? So obviously, you know the they've already announced the prices. The Ryzen 7 1700 is three twenty nine. So clearly, they're going to have processors that will be priced below that. Mm-hmm. What those exact specs are haven't been confirmed. Are you okay with Ryzen seven, Ryzen five, Ryzen three? No. <laughs> to go against Core i seven, Core i five, Core i three. Are we okay with that? Because mm. they, uh, they did try. They did try the other way before. Motherboard. Josh, it's on the APU side, they had the A8, the A6, and the A4, right? Because it was one better than seven, one better than five, one better than three. Mm-hmm. How'd that work out for him? Uh, nobody cared. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but the other thing about it that is kind of worth mentioning now yeah. that I'm catching up to it is it's a 65 watt part. That's nice. Yeah. I it it may be that AMD's reputation for having hot and bothered chips is going to be going away soon. Should be nice. Yeah. I can't say anything about this story. I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking yeah, through it. I, yeah. it. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it, it kind of makes sense in that uh, they didn't release those yet for two reasons. One, they're probably doing all eight-core stuff through wafers and trying to get those out as much as possible, and they're not going to... I mean, they're, they're probably away the ones you got to bin, right? So Yeah, you know. I mean, they're, they're going to be binning some, and they're going to be, you know saving those for, for when the six scores come out. But um, unless you've got a bunch of really bad bins where you've got four cores out of these eight cores actually working, which AMD has done, I guess, kind of in the past with like the, uh, the Phenom two X twos, but uh, they're, they're trying to maximize their profit as much as possible. And uh, once they finally also start getting, the Phenom, uh, not the Phenoms, but the uh, the FX series of chips and uh, some of the older APUs going through and, and starting to, to go through the channel and get out of stock. Then we're going to probably start seeing a lot more of these uh, being released because they don't want to release the entire thing today and have a Lano moment again where they have to pave a road into AMD headquarters with Lano chips, uh, because that's the only thing you can do with them. Gotcha. They didn't actually do that, though. Did not. But close. Ken says he has one on a keychain, so there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next story, I, di- I did. I had some uh, Patreon stuff come through. I want to make sure I got to it before we got towards the uh, very end of the podcast here. Eric Crampton, which <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's his real name or, alive. If, or if it's like a, a clever... Play on on on, uh, yeah. No, Three ninety nine. Thank you very much, Eric, for that. Todd ninety nine. Todd pledged five dollars. Thank you, and Joe Walker pledged three dollars. So we got three new guys signed on for that. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys very much for that. Um, and I think that's all the AMD stories. Uh, and now we're gonna no, talk. No, it's not. Well, well, we'll have one big one at the end. No, you're right. We have two more. Um, <laughs> Real quick, Qualcomm did announce uh, Mobile World Congress was going on the same time as GDC and all these other hardware launches, so it kind of got lost in our shuffle for the podcast this week and last. Uh, but Qualcomm did show off their 5G NR radio, new 5G NR, which stands for new radio, uh, the X50. <laughs> I was thinking noise reduction no. or something practical it's, for that's radio. Not Qual- thing. That's not Qualcomm's thing. Like 5G <laughs> NR is like the standard that people are trying to get to. Like oh. there's different revisions, right? Okay. And when you scroll down, it's very, very small. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, so this is the prototype that Where? allows them to go to different... Uh, oh, I know why, because that's like FPGAs. Yes, yes. correct. Yes. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this right. would not go in your phone, although it <laughs> no, could no, go no, in a base no. station, right? <laughs> like, you know? Um, <laughs> so is that a 1U rack? It's like a 2U. It's um, a 2U. Look at the screws. It's a 2U. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your phone could go in that. Lots of phones Lots could go of in phones that. Could. Um, but this is what allows them to have the flexibility to, to you know, update a bunch of stuff on the fly and try out new things yeah. um, with it. Um, so they show this is their first sub-6 gigahertz prototype. So this is actually the ones that will be 
like wide range, like long range, like typical cell, cell typical cell tower technology replacement, as opposed right. to the super high frequency millimeter wave, oh, where okay. you get into like sixty gigahertz, where it's short distance, you know, no obstruction of view, that type yeah, of stuff. Line of sight. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is more important for the kind of the global adoption. Uh, of 5G for sure. So they announced the uh, the X50 again, kind of refreshing it. But they did now say that this one modem will support 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G all on a single chip, which nobody has has talked about yet. All the other discussions we've had with uh, Qualcomm and Intel and a couple of other guys have been doing the 5G drum, banging that drum, is that you'd have to have a a there were, the, for several years you're gonna have to have a 4G modem and a 5G modem, and they'd have to like interoper. So that was, that, that was what the concern was. But. Yes. And so this is potentially, you know, better for power. You've got it all in one chip. Yeah. Um, you know, s- in terms of just saving do- uh, uh, board space and stuff like that. So th- we will not finish. We will not stop hearing about 5G until probably 2023 or something like that <laughs> when, when everybody has it. And, and, every, and it's all and been determined. Like, what is a good one? 9G radio supporting 5G. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the last story that we'll have for our live viewers is uh, a little bit out of order because we edited at the end. AMD is apparently launching the RX 500 series, but this confused me because they just we just talked about at the beginning that it was going to be RX Vega. So what is what is this, Jeremy? Did you look through this poster? Uh, what it be? I, and I just finally got the tears out of my eyes after reading it. No, that's not good. What did it well, say? No, it, it's a rebrand. Oh, oh no. it's Polaris 10 again. Again, it's Polaris 10 but it's, at a slightly higher clock. Yeah, it looks like it's just an incremental like bump in the clocks of yeah. of everything of the the 460 or the 480. Uh, memory sticks about the same, but uh, your boost clock. Well, actually, no, the the 570 bumps up from the 470. Yeah, which is good for the value conscious guys. Uh, but boost clocks are up across the way because, well, hey, the uh, Architecture is a little more mature. They know what they're doing, so they can bump this up. But I, I'm just not a guy that I loves th- to see rebrands. I thought for sure they would not be doing this again. Well, I, mean, I thought Nvidia they'd does have it, AMD does it. Why not? I mean, if they can make them, thought- if they can make the chip faster now, what do you do? Right? Like, how do you? I mean, how do you specify it's that it's decently faster? faster? Yeah, but. Not oh, yeah. incredibly so. It's I was expecting actually a, a bigger boost, 100 to 150 megahertz yeah. of core clock. Then it would be a pretty significant. And and I think that they, in theory, have that kind of uh, headroom. Uh, but I just don't know what their yeah. I feel like design it groups just, are looking like. I feel like it should have just been like a 490 or a 485. And, if it had uh, been a 490, it would have yeah. been crap, too. A 485 and a 475 yeah. or, uh, Maybe, you know what I, I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. For, for, it's, for, it's, oh, hard to, for the, okay, it's hard to support this kind of behavior. Yeah, I like to yeah. see it, but it's hard to support. Yeah. Well, what, what did NVIDIA do with the GTX 400 to GTX 500 series? I mean, sure, the 580 was a better performing part. They fixed a lot of things with that chip, but... Yeah, but you just said it. They fixed a lot of things. Like the power consumption of 580 was dropped compared to 480. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the power consumption of this is a lot better. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. These are all leaks and stuff. I just, I don't know. I, from a company that had 
very publicly and very privately been talking about, look, we're totally new, we're separate, we're doing things a different way, you know, Raj is in charge and we're doing things, you know, effect- effectively, efficiently that makes sense, right? I, I'd, I'd have to listen to their justification for There's the, probably the more branding. to it than what's just an elite. Uh, like, yeah, probably. We're just probably. looking at elite. Probably, but it, if if this is true, that tells you that like whatever Vega becomes is not going to be in that price range, I, and we kind of expected that. But if this rumor is true, you kind of now you know it, yeah. right? Because they yeah. wouldn't be rebranding if they had a new architecture that could kind of fit into that space. Right. So we'll see. All right, so let's actually get into the biggest story of the week. There's actually a lot of stuff going on. The 1080 Ti is great, um, but the big story everyone wants to know about is. The it's kind AMD. of the big story of the quarter. Mm-hmm. It's it mm. it could be of the year, right? Yeah. Kind of looking forward to 2017. But AMD AMD Ryzen is finally here. It's shipping. Uh, we can write reviews of it. We've had these boxes on the table the whole time. I guess I don't know exactly why we did that, but it looked cool. It's a nice stagger up mm. there. Uh, my review is up on PCPro.com. If you are listening to this. Uh, on the second, um, and the review that we show you, actually, this will be interesting. Show the show the uh, the thing here. I have this big red unpublished thing across all of it because I can't get rid of that unless I set the article to live, yep. and I can't do that the day before. So sorry, apologize for the uh, watermarks. But it's nice you get a little bit of uh, how the sausage is made stuff yeah. about it, right? So this is this. Is These are the screens that we look at all the time. So let's talk about it real quick. We've already talked about the specs. We've already talked about um, prices. Uh, this is a little table that kind of summarizes uh, what that is. The 1800X, 1700X, 1700, uh, all R7, Ryzen R7. Is it Ryzen R7 or Ryzen 7? What's the box I say? think it's just 7. Uh, it's 7, yeah. I'll have to edit seven. that table before. Uh, yeah, Ryzen TM. Yeah, seven. sorry. Hey, good catch. This is why we, we'll, we'll edit that before. This it is why it isn't published yet. Right, exactly. Um, so... This review, I will say up front, only has the results from the 1800X in it, the the $499 part. We have the other ones in, but I didn't get them in early enough to do the testing that I needed to do for those reviews. So that will be a later in the week to next week uh, project for us. But um, I will say that if you look at this, look at this graph here. Like this most important item is obviously the price. The 499 1800X competes against the Core i7 6900K, which is $1,050. Yeah, right. It is half the price. The uh, other parts have price advantages, but they range from you know fifty to thirty dollars. So it's not nearly as dramatic as what you get here. So the X eighteen hundred X a five a five hundred dollars CPU is not going to be what most people buy, right? But it is by far the most compelling of these three launched. It is yeah. because of that huge perf delta and and price delta. Um, Josh, you have a a Ryzen architecture article that we won't we won't go through here, um, but for people who Need a summation, a review of what the architecture and what it what it is. Um, any 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 like quick comments on on what stood out to you from the new information, if there was any? It's it's not bulldozer. That is true. That's a good thing. That is true. That's yes, probably a good thing. Um, a couple of things really stood out. Uh, uh, the IPC improved dramatically, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to clock up. Not only a new design, but also a pretty new process from Global Foundries, who has not had the world's greatest track record on cutting-edge process technology for, what, the past Last 11 two, years two, since uh, 
since AMD, you know, kind of cut bait with uh, sure. the, their manufacturing group. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so being able to hit 3.6 to 4 gigs uh, for the top end part is is really impressive. I mean, again, it's it's a brand new architecture. It's a new process node. Usually that is poison for yep. many companies. Something always goes wrong and they have uh, underperforming parts or really hot parts or parts that just can't clock up very high. AMD is able to hit a really good spot and uh, and and have a competitive performance against Intel. And certainly I, I know that you probably haven't had a whole lot of chances to overclock yet. No. I've been hearing things of of 4.2 to 4.5 if you're really lucky. And so AMD's kind of on the bleeding edge of of the clock speeds, but they seem to be able to pull it off pretty well. And that uh, that really is impressive. Again, uh, made up of two modules, CCX modules, each of which have four cores, uh, can handle, uh, right. each core can handle two threads. They, they went over to SMT rather than CMT of the previous generation. AMD did a lot of right things in this, and Jim Killer and his group uh, should really be proud because at a fraction of the budget of what Intel has, they were able to produce in four years a design that is competitive and uh, costs less to produce than what Intel has at the i7-6800 and above level. It's impressive. If, if you look at this table again real fast, one thing I do want to point out. So all of the Ryzen's are eight cores. Um, 16 threads. Uh, but what's important to note is like, so the 7700K is the flagship single threaded part from Intel. Mm-hmm. The 6900K is the best competitive, like eight core, 16 thread. But if you look at the clock speeds they're you know, they're, they're different. The, the Ryzen has a 300 to 400 megahertz, uh, advantage considering if you look at base or boost. Uh, but the core I seven, 7700K has as much as a 500 megahertz advantage, mm-hmm. actually a 600 megahertz on base. Yep. Right. So, um, you know, IPC is really important, but it's only one half of the story. It's IPC times clock rate gets you your total performance, right? Yep, yep. So that's that's important to just keep in mind as we, as we go through this. Um, I'm not going to get into the other details here. You know, some of the stuff like uh, the Ryzen CPU, the Zen architecture boost technology works in 25 megahertz increments instead of 100. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit more granularity, which means like, you know, in a scenario where maybe Intel couldn't have boosted another 100 megahertz amd could boost 25 50 or 75 and maybe eke a little bit more of that performance out than they would have if they had stuck with 100 megahertz increments so that's interesting to look at um they have the xfr technology the extended frequency range which i feel like was going to be a much cooler feature addition than it actually turned out to be the 1700x 1800x have that's what the x indicates is that has xfr and the idea was that it was supposed to allow people who had high-end cooling to automatically get better frequency and clock speed out of their parts, right? Mm -hmm. And when it was described originally, it was kind of like, oh, if you have a a high-end water cooler, you might have the ability to run uh, quite a bit faster than somebody who uses a stock cooler. Uh, As it turns out, I don't know if it was a time constraint or uh, the feature didn't quite work as well as they wanted to, but XFR is limited to 100 megahertz over the top boost. Okay. So... X1800 or the 1800X, which has a 4.0 gigahertz boost clock, mm-hmm. has a 4.1 gigahertz XFR clock, which really, in my mind, is just the new boost clock, right? right. If you have cooling that can get there, yeah. um, I think it's not. It's not meant to like maintain that 
at a sustained amount unless you have like really good cooling, right? <sighs> Correct. And the idea is that it could just blip up to that higher speed uh, for very short periods, yeah. assuming it was at a lower power before that. Yeah. You know, then you just have some heat. And again, you're uh, only talking about single-threaded workloads yeah. where it would do that. Um, single to two, two threaded workloads where that would even happen in a best case scenario. I, yeah. I just feel like, I feel like originally when they had done it, um, that, that maybe there was the idea there'd be two, three, 400 megahertz of playroom in there mm. instead of one. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. So, uh, is there any chance it's dynamic so that if you've overclocked your CPU beyond where XFR would kick in? Yeah. It, 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 it is it absolutely still be able to. It is absolutely not dynamic. Okay. Uh, and in Good fact, as okay. soon as as soon as you do overclocking, XFR is disabled. It's not even a thing. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and and I did not do overclocking testing in this, but it is worth noting that the overclocking works as such. You overclock by multiplier and base clock the same way you do on Intel parts. Uh, yeah. The only current ability is to overclock all cores to one setting. Okay. Right. So you can't say, well, if I'm one or two cores, make it 4.5 gigahertz. If I'm three to four cores, make it, you know, 4.2. And if I'm all cores, make it 4.0. Okay. Right. You can't do that. Which okay. well, it makes li- the Cinebench make more sense. Well, it, it's a little when bit. When they're dis- hitting the same overclock on all cores. Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. disappointing, though, because, um, you know, it would be, it's very possible, depending on your cooler and the chip and the luck of the draw type crap, right, that you may overclock your processor to 3.9 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't sound great because the boost clock on that is four gigahertz, right? Right. Even though that's only a single core target out of the box, mm-hmm. three point nine would be all core. So you're actually getting, you know, two to three hundred megahertz of extra extra frequency with that OC. But it, it just doesn't have the same like appeal, right? When we when we take a seventy seven hundred K to five gigahertz, that's five hundred over its max boost. And is that on all cores? <coughs> the five gigahertz on yeah. the Intel, yeah. So there's just there's more headroom on the Intel processors than there is on the AMD sure. processors. This is what that comes down to. Okay. So, um, so like I said, we'll look at the other uh, parts soon. The 1700X and 1700. Um, any quick thoughts on? I had you look at the storage yes. performance. We don't have the graphs in the article yet, but um, Not yet. I had you look at SATA performance and the NVMe performance, right? Uh, yeah. So I checked uh, SATA performance and NVMe performance across a uh, Z270 board. Yep, with the 7700K in it. Uh, we had a 6900K in an X99 board. Okay. And then I had the 1800X, right? Is that what the correct name of yes. that guy is? Yes, 1800X, um, yes. In a 370X <coughs> board, right? X370. Um, X370, sorry. Yeah. It's very complicated. I, is, uh, <laughs> the X before is a Josh, chipset. don't delay uh, after is you've been waiting for. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was something that I... I assumed was going to be a weird thing to come up during this type of a test, and that is uh, when we usually do our SSD tests, Mm -hmm. uh, that test bed has C-States disabled, a bunch of other stuff disabled as far as power savings and power management goes, and, you know, we're trying to get the CPU out of the way, right? I'm trying to get the motherboard, the chipset limitations, any of those limitations out of the way because I don't want to test that stuff. I want to test the SSD, Mm -hmm. right? And I want the, the system that's testing that. That those storage devices to be as as stable and as constant as possible, right? So I'm always like I'm overclocked even to like 4.4 gigahertz or something like that. Or, yep. You know. Anyway, um, in this test, we need it to be more realistic, right? Just what's a typical person going to do with the builds any of these systems and plugs in their SSD? How is it going to respond for them? Um, my battery's low. Yeah. How is it going to respond for them 
in those actual use cases where, say, you're not necessarily running Windows in the high-performance power management right. profile, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I will say this. Generally, the AMD part uh, performed – there were really no surprises. It wasn't just, oh, my God, it's so much slower or it's so much faster. Uh, gener- generally speaking, across all three of those platforms, the storage performance is reasonably consistent. Okay. Right? Um, AMD seemed to fall a little bit behind on like just the IOPS that you get at different Q depths, uh, as far as SATA goes, right? Okay. Uh, for NVMe, it was a much tighter race and they were generally, okay. you know, pretty close to each other. So maybe there's, you know, Intel's had been tweaking on their SATA controllers for God knows how long right. now generations worth, right? So <laughs> still the performance was, was good for, you know, th- this brand new platform, Right. Uh, as far as SATA goes. Um, the thing that I'm going to point out more in, in when I write up these charts before the article goes live is that uh, depending on what you did, if you were running the system in a balanced power profile, like when you have Windows set to balance as opposed to high performance, right. which most people should probably run generally. I, and I think most of them do, uh, yeah. Because when you put it in high performance, it just max clocks your CPU all the time. Like most people don't need to do that with their system, right? So if you put it balanced, that means the CPU... Um, in a light storage workload might actually be clocking down between each I.O., mm. right? And then when that I.O. is ready, then there's an interrupt request right. you know, from the chipset or from wherever, and then the CPU basically has to spin back up, or in some cases it might not even get to a chance to spin back up to full speed. It gotcha. might have already serviced that I.O. while it was on its ramp up, right? So, so the benefit of quickly ramping up clock speed... Is useful there. It is useful, like, yeah, especially for yeah. A, like a light storage workload. Mm-hmm. Even even some of the middle to heavier storage workloads we were testing with. Um, so what I found was that in some cases you had uh, like the sixty nine hundred doesn't clock down as much as the seventy seven hundred does, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in some cases the seventy seven hundred actually did a little bit worse on the Z two seventy because it goes form. all the way down to eight hundred megahertz. The Ryzen's yeah. only down clocked to two point two. Gigahertz. Gigahertz. Yeah. yeah. Not, um, not 2.2 megahertz. Right. Be, right. Be sure. um, so I will say, in that respect, Ryzen was about on par with uh, the 7700. Okay. Good. Even though the Ryzen was still right. going a little bit faster at its low power state, yeah. uh, the 7700, I assume, can ramp up faster. Uh, so, yes. they, so they kind of canceled each other out as far as what the okay. differences were okay. there, right? Um, and of course, if you put all the systems in high performance power profile, then everything is almost identical. Gotcha. Right. All right. So just interesting kind of points there. Good, good, um, good. But, you know, as far as storage stuff goes, no, no real horrible surprises. Josh, is it, is it worth noting that the chipset was not developed by AMD? Uh, that's, that's supposedly the – I mean, AMD has never really officially commented upon it. Oh, really? Okay. I, well, I mean, they've, they've never talked about it. No, they haven't. They say, I, I have not been know, officially told that. I just assumed somebody had been officially told that, that it was made yeah, by well, Asmedia. Some, some, somewhere back in time, they said, well, yeah, they contracted that with Asmedia yeah. to develop their chipset because they moved all their chipset guys. Either you know they got fired or they got moved into other projects, um, but they just didn't develop their own chipset. Right. So instead, they contracted out with Asmedia, who have been making their own USB 3.1 right. Gen 1 and Gen 2 controllers, their own SATA controllers, their own NVMe controllers. So instead of um, reinventing the wheel, AMD just went to them and was like, hey, can you do an all-in-one I.O. thing for us? And Media, of course, said absolutely. 
And so I'm actually impressed that it is consistent. Now, uh, previously, uh, AMD's SATA 6 controllers have always been a little bit slower than Intel, uh, whether that's been the 890 uh, with the SB800 and the SB900, well, I guess it's 950 uh, Southbridges. Uh, their SATA controllers, you know, unlike the SB600, which were absolute trash, um, and the 750, which were a little bit better than 600, but not much, the SB850, 950s were really good and really competitive, and, but they were still like 5% slower overall than what Intel had when, you know, they finally got rolling around SATA 6G. So I guess I'm not terribly surprised they're behind in SATA 6 because, again, why put all this engineering into something that works pretty darn good? But right. overall, I'm, I'm happy for AMD because this could have been an Achilles heel for this entire platform. Uh, yeah, you've got great CPU. Uh, you, your threading's good. Your IPC's good. Um, all of these really wonderful things with, with power consumption and low idle. And then suddenly I throw in an NVMe and I'm 20% down from what Intel has. Gotcha. Uh, again, you know, we, we didn't know what the chipset was going to do. So it's uh, really heartening that uh, it's competitive and it's not going to kneecap AMD when it comes to overall sales. Indeed. Um, now, I do want to say, like, go read the review on PCPro.com. I have a video on YouTube that's like 18 minutes of just me talking about the performance of Ryzen mm-hmm. 1800X as well. I'm going to go over a couple of the highlights here that, that make the most sense to touch on. First of all, uh, we have a clock-for-clock clock page here that I think is, is worth showing, right? And this is three parts running at 3.5 gigahertz, fixed, all-cores, clock speeds, right? Yep. Everything all at the same speed. Simple all at the same speed. Trying to see, um, so like if you look at the 1800X and the 6900K, those are both 8-core, 16-thread, so you should be able to see how the architectures uh, uh, scale, yep. right? And then I did include the 7700K here, even though it's a quad-core, 8-thread. Uh, one, because we wanted to get the single-threaded results from it, and even when we get the multi-threaded testing on it, even though it's you know half as many threads, yeah. um, you see interesting things about how... Some multi-threading some, things don't use well, more than so many like threads. Like you may be behind on single, but you actually are ahead on multi, and it's interesting to think about yep. why that might be. So like yep. the first result is Audacity, a very single-threaded workload. Mm-hmm. Um, shows a huge difference. This is MP3 encode. Shows a huge difference where the Ryzen 7 1800X is significantly slower, right? Where this is seconds, lower is better. Um, and you see that the 7700K is the fastest. Yep. Uh, again, all the same clock speed here. So this is purely looking at the architecture itself. Yeah, this is um, pure IPC. Or huge it's difference there. Get to it, right? Uh, right? And then and if you look at Cinebench, this is higher is better in terms of scores. And there's another advantage to Intel in that. And this is kind of justifies what we'd already known. Single-threaded performance on Intel yeah. is going to be better. That, that is closer, though, in that test. It is. It's Ryzen much is closer. closer than what that workload shows. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. throughout the benchmarks, you'll see that workload dependency is there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of variance in, in how that works. Yeah. Um, so here's Cinebench uh, multi-threaded. First thing's worth noting. The R7-1800X that was behind and single-threaded uh-huh. to the 6900K is now slightly ahead and multi-threaded. Mm-hmm. Again, at the same frequency. At the same frequency, which tells yeah. us that the mul- either the SMT integration uh-huh. or the larger cache facilitates better core-to-core, thread-to-thread mm-hmm. communication, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yep improves the multi-threaded capability of the processor to mm-hmm. some degree. It's not a huge swap back and forth, right? It's not 10% minus to 10% plus. Right. It's a couple of percent minus to a couple of percent plus, but it's good to see that work out. It's competitive. It is. Yeah. yeah. 
Simple and then, of that. course, the 7700K, Intel is going to hate this slide, this this graph, because it shows 7700K. Well, it has behind, half but, the number of cores, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Well, but, it's also true. Yeah, it's it is. also true. It yeah. is. Uh, and so here's handbrake again, right? The multi-threaded score where time score lower is better. Yep. Uh, the 1800X is faster than the 6900K mm-hmm. at the same clock speed. That's And half the price. And Yes, half the but price much. as well. Now here's one that's that's interesting in the opposite way. This is 1080p Hitman DX12 Ultra Preset. Not like medium, not low, none of that crap. Right. Um, the frame rate is actually higher on the 6900K than the 7700K, which I find very interesting. That is very interesting. Uh, 121 versus 111. So there was enough Showing threading. Showing that it does kind of scale with the There was cores. enough threading in that game yeah. where it benefited from more than However, four threads. However, the Ryzen part is way lower, like significantly lower, 94 frames per second. Um, that is a 8%. Let's see. Let's see. No, where is it at here? Uh, it 8% had eight, advantage. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't get it, right? So no, the 7700K is 10% faster than uh, the Ryzen 7 1800X in that case, right? A question for you guys. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Are are all three of these parts 20 meg cache? Uh, No. No. The Ryzen is and the 6900K is, but the 7700K is 8 megs of cache? 8 megs of L3 and uh, 2 megs of L2. Yeah. Yeah. And the 10 megs. Yeah. So 10, yeah. And, and Which 20, makes sense because it's half the number. Yeah. And the 20 course. number from a, uh, AMD counts L3, L2, mm-hmm. L1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's see. What are the couple of benchmarks? I got Sysmark in here. This is general system performance. It gives you an idea. Like the Ryzen is, you know, under the 7700K, competitive with the, with the high core count parts. I'm going to go to a couple of the specific ones that call out uh, interesting results that we saw in our testing. Um, so if you look at synthetics, right, if Sysoft Sandra is in there, it shows single-threaded performance. It's competitive. It's actually, you know, right up there with the 6900K, as we were just showing. And this is with clock speeds at their stock settings. Okay. Right? We're back so we're, to just back normal to, processor yeah. testing. Yeah. Um, the 7700K is still the, the, the better solution there because of its frequency advantage. When we get to multi-threaded yep. in that same test, you can see the difference, how it shifts, right? The, the eight cores means a lot. It jumps way past any of the Cabby Lake parts mm-hmm. and the Sky Lake part, obviously. And the only thing it falls behind is the 10-core part from Intel. Interesting. Right? Um, if you look at multimedia, it's, it's, it's a little bit less of, of a – it's less threaded, mm-hmm. right? But it still takes advantage of some multi-threading, clearly, because the 10-core parts are, are a little bit higher. But the multimedia test does has more – um, that, that's more AVX. Yeah, simply. exactly. Yeah. Right. It's taking advantage of some of the other Intel, um, Intel specific developed. Um, it's not, they're not specific because uh-huh. the Ryzen can do AVX. It just yeah, does yeah. it slower yeah. than, than what Intel does. Uh, memory bandwidth. Remember the Ryzen parts are two channel memory controllers, like all the Cavi Lake Skylake parts. Whereas mm-hmm. these guys down here are four channel DDR4 memory controllers. Yep. There's that difference. Yep. Um, and then, uh, cache bandwidth, which is a little bit interesting it, to see as well. It shouldn't, shouldn't. Okay. Before go back to the memory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got quad channel on all those high end Intel parts. How well did that help them out in the majority of benchmarks? Yeah. Not Sysoft Sandra memory. Yes. And that's always right. been the case. Yeah. Yeah. That the memory performance only is beneficial in very specific use cases. Yeah. I mean, as long as your prefetcher is worth a crap on the CPU. Like it's gonna already, it's gonna be pulling that stuff out of the memory in the background, basically. Yeah, and if you got enough cache, uh, yeah, as well. 
Yeah. Plenty of Mike seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cache, there's that cache bandwidth. The, the Ryzen part is like the L1 measures slower, but the L2, L3 is significantly faster than Cabby Lake. Um, and this is totally different from previous generations where all the caches were slower yes. than what yes. Intel was able to do. Yeah. So a, a, big, uh, a big jump there. And I'm always a fan of watching it jump in that particularly sequential order where, where you see a certain jump that doesn't scale ridiculously for the last step. Oh, I see. Yeah, with yeah. Ryzen, it, it's actually a nice, it, yeah. it's a nice slope. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop that. Whereas yeah. Intel, it's like the first two, yeah, screw it. But the that last bit, yeah, we put all our effort into there. Yeah. Uh, so Geekbench, this is new for us. Again, you know, it's it's a synthetic, single threaded. You see where it stands. It's it's matching Broadwell E behind uh, Skylake, Cabby Lake. Then you take into account advantage multi threaded. It's significantly more. Competitive Euler 3D is a, is a, is another one where it falls way behind in single threaded, but it catches up as the as the thread count goes up. Um, some of the more less uh, theoretical ones and more realistic. We talked about Audacity at fixed clock speeds. Here's Audacity at the clock speeds that the processor run at sure. runs at. This is seconds lower is better. The rising part is the slowest part, hmm. slower than even the 10 core. 6950X, which is running at, you know, I think its base clock is 3.0 gigahertz. Yeah, but actually. that is uh, single-threaded. It's sing- it's very single-threaded. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting because it shows you that, like, you know, MP- MP3 encoding has been, lame has been around for a decade or yeah. two decades, right? Mm-hmm. There's not, like, new, they didn't suddenly come out with a new version that takes advantage of AVX2 or something. Right. So this this mm-hmm. kind of shows you that there is something fundamental to the architecture that, that is making it slower in this case. Right. I don't know what it is. I'm not that. I'm, I don't know what it is. But there's Maybe something. Maybe it's like there. Euler 3D that. Yeah. Some flags are, are put up there, and it doesn't take advantage of of the advanced FPU yeah. functionality. Yeah. Uh, handbrake looks good. Uh, you know, eight cores, sixteen threads is gonna is gonna be fantastic. It's it's a little bit faster than the six hundred K that it is half the price of. You know, quite a bit faster than the than the Skylake parts, Cabby yep. Lake parts. Um, I did I did put Quick this QS helps a little bit, I guess. What's that? QuickSync helps it. It like, does compete. Uh, so basically. I put the QuickSync data yeah. in here, and QuickSync makes it faster, right, on the seventy seven hundred K. Yeah. But um, the, it, aren't like, you it, limited to certain profiles with QuickSync? No, no you're not yes. limited to any profiles oh. anymore. But you, the quality settings are different. Yeah, it's not this. Nah. It's not apples to apples, really. It can like, it can be if you manually set a target bitrate, yeah. which is what we did here. This is a target bitrate of ten megabits yeah. per second or whatever. Um, but but the algorithms are are not identical, and so it's not truly apples to apples. But um, if you're just encoding a bunch of DVDs and, and doing that, QuickSync Video has a, has some use there for sure. So uh, I, I wanted to include it there for those processors that had it. X264 encoding, you know, very similar results there. You know, pass one, a little bit less multi-threaded. <coughs> so its advantage over the 7700K is, is lower than it is on pass two percentage-wise. Yep. Uh, here's our Cinebench stuff. This is this is what AMD's been touting. Um, but, I mean, if you look at where it is single-threaded, it's okay. Like, it's yep. good. It's yeah, actually it's better okay. than the Broadwell E. Yep. Um, but it's 195 versus 160 is a considerable gap. Um advantage to, to the 7700k mm-hmm. but if you look at multi-threaded everything changes like it, it beats the 6700k handily it's almost up to the 10 core the 10 core part Pavre, similar result uh the blender workloads here show similar and, and, and just and again a 
Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Isn't it interesting that AMD, this is their first generation SMT part, <coughs> seems to scale a little bit better than what yeah. Intel does with SMT. Yeah. yeah. I, I find it I find it very interesting. Um I, I mean, is that the infinity fabric? Is it the caches? Is it a bunch of secret sauce in there doing that? Is is it just that they did so much work on the front end to try to get bulldozer architecture with two actual, you know, integer cores in there and a, a and a free floating point unit? I mean, uh, do they have algorithms in there that they worked on and they had to work on a whole lot more than what Intel did with SMT? It's these are all really interesting, good questions that will. Have yep. to follow up on. Agreed. Uh, Blender. Yeah, another- I hope we'll have Jim Keller or someone on soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we'll drag him out of Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blender workloads, real life rendering. Like this is something that Scott uses all the time, so this information is useful for him. Uh, this is a test that takes you know over an hour in many cases to run. Um, we're looking at you know forty five hundred seconds for the seventy seven hundred K, and you can see that like this turns into like real time. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's a big difference. But it is still – this is an instance where Blender actually runs better on the Intel architecture than on the AMD. So 1600K okay. wins in this multi-threaded result mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, the Ryzen part. So th- there's – there's it's going back and forth. All right. So now I want to get on one last data set before we, we, we finish out the podcast. The gaming results are very interesting and, and a little bit concerning to be fair. Um, so here's 3DMark Firestrike Physics. That looks kind of exactly as you would expect it to look, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a 6700K result, so I apologize for that. But, like, it beats the Cabby Lakes. Um, it's pretty close to matching the high-end Broadwells that are 8 cores or 10 cores. Yeah. That all seems to make sense. However, um, we did – so I want to say this. We did all of our testing at 1080p okay. because I think that's – where, like, clearly if you do all your gaming testing at 4K, it's all going to be GPU-bound. So GPU it's yeah. very difficult to find CPU differences, even when you have, you know, two-core, four-threaded parts. Yep, yep. 1080p so, is where you generally get more CPU-bound. But stuff. I didn't want to yep. do, like, 1080p low, because I think that's unrealistic. Right. But there are tons of people that are playing on t- at 1080p still. Sure. Like, the vast majority, far yeah. and away. So I did 1080p at the max quality settings that each of these games had. So here's Civ 6 and its graphics test, DX12, where... The average frame rate is 64.7 for Ryzen and 73.8 for the 7700K. Sure. That's, there, there's a noticeable difference there. Like That's a measurable gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, what, what I found more interesting is that all of the uh, Broadwell E parts, there were eight, six, eight, ten core, mm-hmm. were actually faster than even Skylake or Kaby Lake, meaning that, that the Civ 6 engine in DX12 does scale with cores, mm-hmm. but the Ryzen part did not necessarily hmm. like I, I mean i'm assuming it is like if we had a four core it didn't get that huge advantage it was getting before and right. things that were using auto cores right yeah and so well, look at the one the one 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 aside is is look at the 95th percentile of the absolutely. 50 and how much that dropped it's amazing you know, yeah. I, ipc with core clock speed yes. is still extremely still very important, important. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. and the and the 650 has the slowest clock of any of these parts on here um and a similar result here, uh, which was like the AI test, uh, which is actually less threading, you know, impact clearly right. as you can see here. Uh, but the the Ryzen part was still had a disadvantage. It's it's close. It's within it's within reason. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider DX12 1080p Ultra. What the heck happened there? What the hell? I don't know. 
I don't know. All the, it's because be there's an audio game, version because that's here. an AMD game. Uh, yeah, but it's you know oh, it's graphics, right? To so put it for like, for the like, audio yeah. listeners, I guess just to say, all the Intel parts, Cabby Lake, Skylake, Broadwell E, are measuring between 132 and 136, 139 frames per second sure. on this. Yeah. Ryzen is 103, a huge jump down. It's literally, like 30 percent less. Yeah, like. Uh, and it was repeatable, and I did Windows reinstalls, and I did graphics drivers reinstalls, yeah. and I checked BIOS settings. Everything was running at PCIe. Because yeah, that's one of those I, where you think something was wrong yeah, with our like, testing. Well, this is clearly something's broken. Like, oh, I didn't install the GPU driver. Oh no, I did. Uh, oh, right. oh, Windows screwed up. Oh, let's let's just redo this and make sure. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And that's our result. So that's bad. I mean, that's probably something that they just need to patch out of the game. Some something that's like here's Hitman. Some specific okay. DX12 1080p Ultra. A very similar result. The 7600K quad core, yeah, uh, with not without hyperthreading, kind of matches what the 1800X has. But all the other Intel parts are running at 118, 119 frames per second. The AMD one is at 96. Okay, I, I gotta oh. know where where's my dirt rally results? Didn't okay. have it in here. Yeah. So well, now, you better start uh, benchmarking. Ra. So I did all of my you know uh, uh, test suite creation with the intel parts because i didn't have the amd and went in until very last right and i ran all these results right and i was like okay and i was just waiting for the amd thing and then i didn't have time to do any more gaming tests i want to do a lot more gaming tests on this part yeah so i want to i want to have a summation of the gaming side here if you game at 1080p it is a legitimate question you should have about is the ryzen processor going to detrimentally affect me if if instead i would buy a cabby lake or sky lake part it's a legitimate it's a legitimate question to have right um I've talked to other reviewers because this was so odd mm-hmm. that I've, I've needed other people. And the reality a lot check, of yeah. people checked it out. Like, yes, this is realistic. And then some people we talked to would be like, actually, I have some games like The Witcher 3 or Battlefield 1 that show the Ryzen parts are perfectly fine. Okay. Um, it evenly matches it. And AMD, so it's going to so, be an some, at launch issue. So some particular yeah. string of commands. I guess. that, that I don't understand it. You know. here's, here's what confuses me about it. AMD is not stupid. They have a lot of people in that building right. that used to be on this yeah. side, and they ran tests at 1080p. I cannot, I, I refuse to believe that they did not run gaming tests at 1080p. I'm sure they did. Okay. But it might have just been down to. That, that was the uh, weekend know. Wasson was just screwing around. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it might have just been down to, you know, they, we, only have, we only have so much manpower we can throw at I'm these sure particular optimizations. When right? they. So which ones do we put more weight on? Versus- when they put out the rev guide, and when they had us out there, they only showed 4K and some 25 by 14 results. And that kind of... And, and I was would, like, okay. That would, that would kind of be a weird. little, uh, you know, yeah, and, indicator. And, and I sent them... They had all these gaming results six days ago. Right. Right. And I said, I think something's wrong. Take a look at this. And they said, you know what? We're going to we're gonna uh, evaluate this and, and double check, and we'll get back to you. Yeah. And they got back to me like yesterday. And uh-huh. the summation was essentially... The, the statement from AMD was kind of like... Yep. There's an issue at 1080p. We're looking into it. We think games are um, – they were just inherently written for the Intel architecture, not because of any vice or you know uh, ill will, just that they were okay. the dominant processor and yep. Zen didn't exist. And so we're trying to look into it, and we'll see what happens. Maybe there needs well, to be – Why bother optimizing your game for an AMD processor that's a couple of years old at this point? Uh, well, even it, if you had optimized it for Bulldozer, it probably would have zero effect on what these CPUs see. I mean, exactly. You have to, you have to right? realize that – you have to realize that if you're going for the best performance out of any, it's an Intel-specific compiler for stuff. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, so, and I don't think there is an AMD-specific compiler that does specific optimizations for that, right? 
Yeah, and and not to say that the optimizations in Intel Intel's compiler is specifically targeting this processor that came out after the compiler was made. Right. So that's kind of like not a not a possible, thing, right? So well, you know why AMD doesn't have a compiler? Uh, manpower. Well, because the graphics section grabbed everybody to do real time oh, sure. compilers and drivers, and yeah. so yeah, yeah, there's there's no AMD compiler. Yeah. No working at AMD. I, I mean, it's quite easy to think that and it might even be the explanation that you, you've got a problem with the right hand and the left hand they, they're not quite talking to each other right now they're staking out their own territory the the gpu guys are pretty well established the cpu guys are just sort of breaking ground again which is lovely to see but yeah i mean this is the first maybe they're going to get together and sort of figure out oh crap you know sorry i should have seen that before let's yeah. fix it i mean it's the first new thing in a while it's doing pretty good in a lot of places yeah Right. So, I mean, it, and, and I really you know. do. I do believe, even though I haven't had the don't have the results to show you that 25 by 14 and 4K, if you're gaming at those resolutions, any of these deltas are going to be compressed, if not gone. Yeah. Right. And so we're, we'll do more testing on it. And I, where I very much encourage you to look at other people's testing and results. Kyle has Kyle at Hardware CP has VR results. Uh, I didn't have time to do VR testing. So he has VR testing. You should go look at. Um, and he, he, his summation to me earlier today was that it's a little bit slower, but it's close. So we'll see. Well, that's a hell of a lot of difference from the preview. I mean, it's kicking True. the crap out of what it was before. So, oh, yeah. you know. Last yeah. quick thing, and I know this is this has been a long thing, guys. Uh, power consumption is interesting. This is rated <laughs> at 95 watts. Okay. Uh, Skylake, Cabby Lake is rated at 91 watts. Okay. Broadwell is rated 140 watts. These Go are TDPs. Yep. Right. But they're measuring them differently. Intel is creating TDP as a maximum power draw. AMD is telling you TDP is the maximum thermal dissipation that the heat spreader will require you to cool over okay. a little bit of like a, over a over little time. bit of over a running average of a few seconds probably. Right. Like uh laws of thermal propagation. Yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so the reason that's interesting is meaning meaning it could go for short bursts at drawing higher, more than 95 watts. Yeah, drawing more than 95 as long as the as long as it doesn't do it for so long that it overheats yeah. stuff. And they were very right? upfront. They were very upfront about that at the tech day. They're like, we're going to draw more than 95 watts. And if you have a cooler that lets us do it for longer, we're going to do it for longer. Okay. So um, the, the, the TDP comparisons are, are bad in that way. Like, you can't look at those two numbers and really measure anything. Because if yeah, you look you at these you results, can't call them the, same. the Ryzen 7 1800X on Cinebench draws 150. The system, by the way, this is a system thing, draws okay. 155 watts. Right. 33 watts more than the 7700K. That they both claim to have, you know, within four watts of TDP, mm. same, right? right, right. And and in fact, what the eight core eighteen hundred X is doing is it's actually drawing the same amount of power as a sixty nine fifty X, you know, around the sixty nine. They're it's drawing Broadwell E power, sure, right? Yeah. Um. So it's probably in the range of drawing one hundred thirty to one hundred forty watts of use. Yeah. Now we had, we had a pretty hefty what cooler kind of cooling it, so. system. Did you actually use on this? The only cooler I had that functioned with this was the one they supplied, which was a Noctua air cooler. Right? A good one. It was but, a good one. But, it was like an eight heat pipe. But not, whatever. I didn't have uh, the correct stuff for my Corsair water coolers, which I do now have. Um, yeah. But um, Boy, that's going to be even more interesting to see. Yeah. I don't think it, would, it could draw more. I don't think it would go up that much. Oh, it's going to draw that. more. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be six more watts. Well, well, okay. Six more isn't that bad. Yeah. I mean,. No, sure. it's not bad, but it is measurable. Yeah. Sure. Sure. What I will say but is it, that it's it sounds idle. It's more like when Intel tried yeah. to do their SDP thing. 
Was um, it SDP or RDP? It was SDP, Wait, Scenario yeah. Design Is the power. blue the idol yeah, on that? It's... Blue is idol. That idol looks pretty damn good. The idol is I do want to point that out. Like, the yeah. idle power of the Ryzen system is 10 watts lower than Cabby Lake, which was oh, better than Sky Lake, which was better than... Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's surprising, considering that the Cabby Lake is doing 800 megahertz at mm-hmm. idle, mm-hmm. and this CPU, the Ryzen, is doing 2 gigahertz at idle. Now, I will say, this does consider the platform, the mother... Sure. ...is different as well. So, Ooh. some of that could be... I, I can't imagine that... I mean, maybe the chi- the Intel chipset just fundamentally uses a little bit more power than the than this, this new I mean, chipset with AMD. A, I don't know. There's about the same number of accessories and stuff on those mm-hmm. two competing mm-hmm. platforms you mm-hmm. tested, so it's... I don't know. Shouldn't be that. It's I mean, impressive to see, and like, for, uh, for like, businesses and OEMs where you're buying thousands of systems, like 10 watts at idle... Yeah, that adds up. Adds up. That right? adds up to a lot of money. But also, 30 watts at load adds up. True. As well. So it would be an interesting discussion on that. So I just I I think it's important to point out like cooling to cooling, the 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 Ryzen part and and the Cabby Lake are not equivalent. Like you're gonna need more cooling to get the best perf out of your uh uh Ryzen part than you will out of a Cabby Lake part. Yeah. Right. Not not that anybody buying a five hundred CPU is gonna have less than that what I put on this, Mm -hmm. but it's just it's just worth noting. Um I didn't do any talking. We'll talk about that later. The pricing we've already talked about uh, and where it sits in comparison-wise. I really, really like the 1800X. My conclusion to this is that... Um, Especially at the price. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the killer for it, right? Is yeah. if, if this were 699 or 799 you know, if, you, if it were just a couple hundred bucks less, first of all, you'd be in that price range of crazy people processor right. cost. And um, <clears throat> AMD just can't go there. Yeah, they need to prove themselves before they can get to that space if they even want to. Yeah, <clears throat> the truth is, what they wanted to do is get market share, and you're not going to get market share selling an $800 processor, even right. if it's better than a $1,000 processor. Right. And they kind of decided that the $500 was like the highest somebody was willing to pay for a processor that met their their goal for you know addressable you know mm-hmm. consumer space. And that's that, a that reasonable is, benchmark. It is. Yeah. And and it doesn't hurt that they're just so much cheaper than that Intel part. Yeah. Less than half, yeah, compared to like the sixty nine fifty, right? And it's and and what here's my like my well, sixty nine fifty. It is one third. Yeah, and sixty nine fifty. Oh, it's one yeah. third. The ten core. Which one it, is the thousand fifty dollar CPU? The sixty nine hundred K. Okay, 6, yeah, the eight core sixteen. Yeah, thread. it's still less than half that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um my my take on it is the single threaded performance and the gaming performance in particular is not great. Like it's good. If you look at nor- like every other single threaded performance workload we look at on right. Ryzen, it's pretty good. Right. It's comparable uh, within a handful of percentage yeah. points, and up few, to there's... you know a couple of instances like Audacity where you see this wider yeah. gap. But um, if the they out- can if they can get the solution to the gaming thing, yeah, the outlier on the gaming thing it looks a little weird. Looks so. odd. Yeah. But for five hundred dollars, people are going to be really willing to give up some of that single threaded perf to get. The multi the multi threaded right. perf that you get um, for five hundred bucks less. Yep. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very interested to see what that that turns into. And I will say, uh, just like a, while we were recording the show, I did get some comments from AMD about the gaming side. They basically have uh, quotes from Stardock and Oxide uh, from uh, Creative Assembly, developers of the Total War series, um, from. Uh, other people, some other game devs, basically coming out saying, um, "Bethesda, yeah, I'm sure Bethesda is one of them." <laughs> saying we're going to work on optimizing games for Ryzen. Okay, 
right? So clearly this is something that uh, became a last minute. We want to make sure we message this, that if we're aware of the issue, we're going to get these guys to, to work on sure. it. So we'll see. I, 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 I want to see how it pans out on the 1700X and 1700 and on the gaming side, and we'll go from there. So I feel like we went way too long, guys, and it was really a long total thing. But the Ryzen launch for big, AMD big is launch. super important, yeah. right? Not just for them, but for everybody, uh, like consumers, vendors, hardware manufacturers, et cetera. So um, go to PCPro.com. Read the whole review, please. Don't just listen to the podcast. Uh, we don't really make any money from that. Go to PCPro.com. Read the article. Go to YouTube. Watch the video. Uh, and um, we will have more stuff on Ryzen Mori, I'm waiting for to get another 1800X so I can send motherboards to Mori so he can start that side of things, actual motherboard reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do more gaming testing. We need to do overclocking testing. I have four more X370 motherboards that showed up that we need to at least kind of <laughs> poke around with and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That when I get my bowl out and... Say, can I get some more, please? <laughs> well, he did do two articles this week. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I know to, my my do. track record for the last nine months has been abysmal. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, well, we're you're gonna... about to give birth, then, right, Josh? Yes, that's what it was. This week was <laughs> ooh, gross. All right, everybody, uh-huh. let's 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 finish the show so everybody can. I need to go home and go to bed. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody, for well. People who hung out during the live stream who are no longer on the live stream because we couldn't live stream this. <laughs> need to have the normal conclusion of this. But uh, we'll be back next week with another PC Respective podcast. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. This has been one of the most interesting Q1s that I've seen in like the last 20 years. And I'm Josh Walworth. I'll drink to that. And I'm Alan Malentano. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.